So we just finished up a series entitled uh, Favor Ain't Fair. We did three weeks of that. Did you guys enjoy that series? I thought, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was very excited about that series, but if I could be honest with you, I am more excited about this series that we're jumping into today. Uh, the series that we're, that, that the series title for today is called Holy Ships, Holy Ships, and uh, because, here, here's the tagline, because your relationships matter, and I think that if we could focus on the right relationships, we can see our lives go further, faster, and so uh, we're going to be taking the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at different relationships um, and, just, and just bringing some light to them, we're, we're talking about dating next week. Because uh, it's Valentine's Day, and so uh, that's going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about parenting. So you're like, man, I don't have any kids, uh, or my kids are grown up. Like, I think that no matter the age of your kids, we can all still parent our kids and love our kids. And if you don't have any kids yet, well, this is a great opportunity to just get some insight on, on parenting. It's going to be great. And then the last and final week, we're going to be talking about marriage. And uh, so just I'm excited about this, of just going to the Bible, going to Scripture, and see what Scripture talks about uh, in, re in regards to relationships. So I hope you can join us for the next four weeks and, and join us on this ride. So today we're actually going to set the foundation for every relationship. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, this is the premise of, the, of this today. Like if you don't get this relationship right, the one that we're talking about today, I believe that no other relationship is going to work out. So like this is the most vital relationship ever. And so we're going to talk, uh, read out of 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 through 11. Hey, right? like, uh, come on, John, focus. You got to focus, man. All right, so 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Praise Jesus. Verse 10. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Last verse, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. We surely ought to love each other. And the last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, it says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to just gather together, God, as, as a community of believers, as, as a family. God, I pray that you would just uh, have your way today. God, we thank you for the worship. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we pray that the word today would fall on good ground, God, so that it would produce a harvest. God, we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here different but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, come on. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. So I miss my kids being young. 
I miss my kids being babies, okay? And not because, like, I want to cuddle them and hold them. Like, that's part of it. But honestly, I miss my kids being young because when it was their birthday and they would get money for their birthday, I could say, hey, let daddy hold that for you. You know what I'm saying? And then, I'm, and then I could turn to my wife and be like, baby, date night, come on. Don't judge, right? But, like, I miss that. I miss my kids being young. Now, now my oldest, he just turned 11, uh, so I can't, I can't trick, no, no. I can't trick him now. You know, he, he's, I'm, I'm like, he, he gets money for his birthday or Christmas, and I'm like, hey, daddy will hold that. He's like, no, you won't. So, oh, this is, it has nothing to do with my, my story, but um, sometimes, sometimes, like, I'll take his money, like, I'll find it lying around, and, um, and, I'll, and I'm like, hey, I'm holding your, your money, and then, like, months go by, like, literally months, and he's like, he's like, hey, Dad, do you still have my money? And I was like, no. <laughs> right, like, he's like, but you spent, Dad, you owe me my money. I'm like, boy, you live here rent-free. <laughs> like you, I, I don't charge you to eat here, and and so like, but and so like my little girl, she's eight years old, so she's still she's still figuring out like how important money is, but she knows enough uh, to know that not to give her daddy her money, <laughs> and so, um, but but hey, here's good news. This is why we had a third kid is uh, because he's <laughs> he's still young. He's still like super tiny. He's three years old, and so he has no comprehension of money, and so, like, he is my victim uh, for the next at least two years. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so, so but, but, like, it's crazy, okay? So, like, this past Christmas, um, we, we, he, got, he got gifts. He got gifts, right? He got gifts, and then he got, like, cards. He got little cards and, and, and with money in it. And uh, it's amazing because, like, he... For, for Christmas, he, he was open. He saw, like, the gift. He's like, ah! And he's just, like, throwing it everywhere. And, uh, and he looked, and it's a toy. And he's pumped about the toy. He, whoa, he loves the toy. He's excited, just like how that person is excited. Like, we, like he loves the toy. He loves it. And he's just opening it. And then we're like, hey, Sammy, we're not done yet, bud. You have a card. You have a card. And he's like, we hand him the card. He's like, <laughs> like he doesn't care. And we're like, no, Sam, you got to open it, man. And so we, he opens it. And uh, this is from, uh, I think, one of his, his grandparents. And he opens it. And there's $100 in there, guys. $100. And he looks at it. Throws it. <laughs> and daddy's like, where'd it go? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, no, yeah. Um, and, so, and so, like, like he has, and, and like, he, he just tosses it, and he goes back to his toy. Like, he doesn't understand the value of that money. Like, to him, all it is is a piece of paper. He, he, there's no value. Like, he, he doesn't understand the value of that $100 bill. If he was smarter, he would know that he could buy a lot of the toys that he got in that bag with $100. But because he didn't understand the value in it, he put no priority in it. 
Value equals priority. And here's where I'm going with this, not to, to talk too much about my kids, but here, here's where, where I'm trying to land this plane right now, it, it, is this idea that how you value God determines the priority that you place with the relationship with him. So how you value God, like how you, va- like how you value who he is, will determine the priority, will determine the, the energy that you place in a relationship with God. And here's what I've noticed. Like, we live in a time that, that doesn't really add value to who God is, but kind of devalues him. Like, we, we live in a time where, where, where like, value, valuing God seems like a waste of time. Culture, right? Culture kind of sows this into our hearts and our mind. Right? Culture says, God, you don't need God. He's oppressive. You don't need God. That's a waste of time. Right? That's culture. Culture is like, you don't need God. You are your own God. You don't need God. You're your own boss. Be free. Do what you want. Live how you, like you be your own God. Culture. Culture. Or, or, or maybe if, if culture is giving any value to God, they're like, hey, just be semi-committed. Right? Like we kind of live in a culture where commitment's not a big thing. We see it in marriages. We see it in jobs. And, and so culture's like, okay, if you are going to have a relationship with God, you know, just kind of like have one foot in, one foot out. <laughs> like your Sunday thing, that could be a thing, but like every other day, like don't. And, and, and so, so like this idea, like a valuing, like culture does not value who God is. Therefore, I assume that, that because he, culture is not, is, because culture is devaluing who God is, People's priority to have a relationship with God is kind of on the back burner. I also think the way that you were brought up and the things that you've seen in your life can also chip away at the value of who God is. Like some of us growing up, we we were told that God's a genie. We were like, hey, this is like, you're going to go to church and we're going to serve genie God. You know, genie God. Like, whatever you ask for, he'll give it to you. And we're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I want genie God. And so we're like, we're like, uh, uh, okay, rub the lamp. Rubbing the lamp is going to church. <laughs> Rubbing the lamp. God, I, I, I need a new car. Rubbing the lamp. I'm a cuss less. That's rubbing the lamp. And <laughs> I try to let that one float. That's all right. Preach me down. I love it. But, but, but uh, genie God. And then all of a sudden, when genie God doesn't come through the way that you were wanting, the way that you were wishing, we're like, man, this thing doesn't work. It's broken. Genie God, where are you? Maybe for some of you, uh, you grew up with bodyguard God. Body, blah, blah, blah. Bodyguard God. Straight up Kevin Costner, right? Like, 
<laughs> God's like Kevin Costner. You're Whitney Houston, just like, and ah. <laughs> right? That's too much, John. Focus. Where you, you were raised like God, he's, he's a bodyguard God. So he will always protect you. Nothing will ever penetrate bodyguard God. And you're like, woo, I love me some bodyguard God. And then all of a sudden, your friend who loves Jesus with all their heart gets sick. And you're like, yo, like, bodyguard God, what, what's up with bodyguard? And we're just confused. And then what, when we see that happen, like, what does it do? It chips away. It chips away. And all of a sudden, like, this value that we placed on God, it's chipping away. It's chipping away. So, okay, maybe for you it's not genie God. Maybe for you it's not a bodyguard God. Maybe for you it's a lawyer God. Like, he's there when you need him, right? Like, you're like, I'm in a bind. I got to call lawyer God. And then when he's done doing his thing, you're like, all right, I'll call you next time. I'm in a jam. Click. <laughs> Lawyer God. And so what I've noticed is that whether it's culture, whether it's past experiences, if we're not careful, it begins to chip away at the value of who God is in our life. And if I am not careful, if you and I are not careful, what will happen is, is it begins to chip away so much at, at the value of who God is, we either walk away from a relationship with God or we're like, hey, maybe this is not my thing. And so we have to, we have to learn to, to come against those things because your, your relationship, the way that you love, let me put it this way, the way that you love your kids the way that you love your spouse, the way that you love your neighbor, the way that you love your coworker, I believe hinges on how you see God and the relationship that you have with God. And so if we don't get this one right, if we don't learn to, to really have this relationship with who God is, if we don't begin to see the value we're going to start drifting. We're going to start pulling away. So, so we, like I want us to, this morning, just to see the beauty of who God is. The beauty of who God is. In fact, the verse that we read in 1 John chapter 4, uh, the author is John. And John, uh, listen, if anyone, knows, if anyone knows the character of a person, it's someone that walks with that person. Right? Like, the best person to know my character is not the person I see once a week, but it's my wife or my kids. And in the same way, uh, John, the author that, that we read at the very beginning, he, he walked with Jesus. And we know that Jesus, he's not just a son of God, but he is God, right? Philippians 2, chapter 7 says that God took on the form of human flesh and came down. And so John, he walked and talked with Jesus while Jesus was here. So if anyone knows the character of God, if anyone knows who God is, it's going to be this guy. 
And we read in 1 John chapter 4, out of any way that he could have described God, do you know what he said? Three words that can change your life forever. God is love. He defined God as God is love. He could have said God is breakthrough. He could have said God is making me rich. He, you know what I'm saying? Like he could have said anything. But he said God is love. God is love. So if I'm going to learn to love the right way, i got to understand who love is, who God is, because God is love. Now, here's, here's the crazy thing, is that in this room, when I said that God is love, some of you cringed, because for some of us in this room, we have a distorted viewpoint of love because of what you've experienced. Because of what you've seen. So when I say God is love, you instantly go back to that person that walked out on you. He said he loved me. She said he loved me. But they left. When I say God is love, you think about that person that took advantage and, and, and misused that word love to trick you into doing stuff that you didn't want to do. God is love. For some of you, like, when, when I said God is love, you're like, ah, love. That's conditional. God is love. I don't know about that. And, 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 and so this morning, I think the, the, the best thing that I can do is not just to tell you who God is, God is love, but to show you the characteristics of love so that we are all on the same page. Like, we got to be on the same page of who love is, of what love is, so that I'm not filtering God's love through some warped uh, past experience that I've, that I've gone through. So God is love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. We read it briefly at the beginning of our time together, but there's three things that I just that really stood out to me that I want to pull out, share with you guys, so that we can understand what love is, so as we go through the next three weeks, when, when we talk about loving your spouse or loving your boyfriend, girlfriend, loving your kids, like we understand what this type of love is. Is that cool? All right. So 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, it starts off with this. John the author starts off with this. He says, this is real love. Like right there, I think that's a beautiful, just this is love, period. As if to say, some of us, we have the wrong perspective of love. He said, this is real love. As if to, 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 to catch, to, to, to shake us, to wake us up, because we're like, oh, I know what love is. <gasps> I want to know what love is. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm like a walking karaoke machine. Um, <laughs> from the 80s, Yeah. Yeah, 80s baby, hello. <laughs> so John, he said, this is real love. It's like this is, this, this is the sentence in your Bible that you highlight like crazy. 
Because he's saying this is real love, not what you perceived before, not what you thought before. He's like, I'm about to break it down for you, honey. This is real love. And he says this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Number one, if you're taking notes, love is selfless. Love is selfless. We read uh, in a couple verses later, uh, John, he says that God first loved us. God first loved us. Now, guys, this is counterculture, right? Because uh, now, like, we never want to be the first one to say, I love you. Right? Like, I remember, I remember when, uh, when my wife and I, before, before we were dating, okay, I didn't, she didn't even know my name probably. I was just that creepy nerd Christian kid that was like, oh, she's beautiful. And so before we even dated, before I even talked to her, I told someone, I was like, I'm going to marry her. But guess what I didn't do? I didn't be like, hey, my name's John. I'm going to marry you. Why? Because she would have been, help. Her whistle, right? Like, <laughs> am I going to get emails for that one? Is that? <laughs> I hope not. I don't read them. Um, <laughs> like, I, I would have ne- I would have never done that. I would have never gone up to her and be like, "Hey, I love you." I wouldn't be the first one to do that, and yet. John says, this is real love. Not that you loved God, but he first loved you. Like God's love for you was selfless. He didn't care if you rejected him. He didn't care. Like some of us in this room this morning, we're like, we're, we're like borderline Christian. We're like, I'm here because I'm not really sure why, but like I'm here. You know? And you're like, I definitely am not sure if I love this idea of who God is. But guess what? Newsflash, he still loves you. He's not waiting for you to be like, okay, fine, I love you. And he's not like, okay, fine, I finally love you. (laughs) No. He's like, I love you already. And if that's not beautiful enough, his love for you is not conditional. I love that. He loved me when I was in my worst state. He loved you when you were in your worst state. He didn't wait till you were all perfect. He didn't wait to say like, hey, get your act together and then I'll love you. No, man, he loved you when you were still up in the club. Turning up. He loved you still when you were doing bumps. He loved you still when you were hooking up with everything with two legs. He loved you. Like, in your worst state, John, guys, I'm just trying to be real. Like, in your worst state, because some people are like, man, God can never love me the way that I am, but he loves you as you are. It's not conditional. He's not waiting for you. He loves you selflessly. 
He loves you as you are, but guess what? He loves you so much more. He doesn't want to just leave you where you're at. He loves you unconditionally, but his love draws me to be better. Friends, that's the gospel. He loves you selflessly. So good. So John said, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. He goes on to write, and he sent his son as a sacrifice. He sent his son as a sacrifice. And the keys can come up because I'm going to land this plane. So the first thing about love is love is selfless. So when I love my kids, when I love my spouse, when I love my whoever I'm loving, it's a selfless love. I don't love him because my I don't love my kids because they're listening to me now. I always love my kids when they're listening or not listening. Love is selfless. Here's number two. And he sent his son as a sacrifice. Love is generous. Love is generous. Like your ability to love should cost you something. Your ability to love should cost you something. Because guess what? It costs God everything. John 3, 6 said, we love this verse, but I think we missed the heart of it. He says that, um, what does John 3, 6 say? For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave. So his love was connected to giving. Your love should cost you something. Your love should cost you your pride to say, I'm sorry. Your love should cost you your preference. Your love should cost you your priority. See, your love is so generous that your love is really serving. When I learn to love someone, I'm loving them generously by serving them. I cannot say I love you without serving you. It's impossible. Like, I love you. It's generous. My love is generous. It gives. When I love somebody, it's generous. Like it's giving life. It's generous. It's serving. John said, for this is real love. Not that. We love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. Here's the last part of it. To take away our sins. So love is selfless. Love is generous. But love also improves. Love also improves. I love what he says, what the author John says. He says that, that his love it took away our sins. God's love for you and God's love for me, it took away something from our lives that shouldn't have been there, that doesn't need to be there. And so naturally, if I'm taking something away that is destroying me, what happens to me? I improve. I'm getting better. So when I love, when I love, it should improve people. When I love my wife, my love for her should make her better. 
not because I'm controlling her, not because I'm manipulating her, but because I'm carrying the things that she needs help with or vice versa, and I'm praying for her. I'm improving, like I'm fighting battles with her. Like I'm improving who she is. Dating couples, your love should improve each other. Parents, your love should improve your kids. When you're at your workplace, your love should improve the environment and atmosphere at your workplace. Love improves. God took away our sins. He took away the things that, that was destroying us so that I can be better. So that he could make me better. Friends, listen. God loves you so much that he wants to improve who you are. God's love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. That he gave us his son to take away our sins. God is love. And when I can see who God truly is, that God's not a tyrant. God's not trying to oppress me. God's not a bodyguard God. He, he, he's, not, he's not an angry God. But when I understand that God is love, when I see that, it should draw me closer to wanting to have a relationship with him. Because God is love. God is love. God is love. Come on, I feel like someone needs to hear that this morning. God is love. He loves you. Amen, somebody?